Hey friends, it's an early one. It's the morning of UFC 246, Conor McGregor versus Donald Cerrone. And I'm so excited. It's been a long time since we've seen McGregor fight. And to be honest, I never thought we would see him fight in mixed martial arts again. So I'm really excited for this one. We recorded this podcast last night. I called up Nate and Brandon. You might know him from Wildside, awesome band from Canada. We covered some of the fights on the main card, and then we talked about some recent matchups that got announced, and I, I was really happy. I, I can talk MMA for hours, so I was just really stoked that we were able to come together last minute because this wasn't planned too far in advance and make this work. It, it was really fun. I could do it for days. I love mixed martial arts, and I hope you guys are excited as we are, and if you guys haven't, Go buy UFC 246. It's going to be a great one. So without further ado, welcome Nate and Brandon to the MMA podcast. another episode of the MMA podcast. This time we have Nate and a newcomer, Brandon. How's it going, guys? I'm good. I'm doing well, you know, usual. Okay, so this is the eve of UFC 246. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, I didn't think we would see the return of Conor McGregor. You know, he had all those weird legal troubles and he made like a crazy ton of money and I didn't think he needed to fight again, but here we are. He's back. He's fighting Cowboy Cerrone. How do you guys feel about this? You can go first, Brandon. It, it, uh, it, it could be a great fight. I think, uh, I think Cerrone's still got a lot of, lot of, uh, you know, a lot to offer in his career. He's not, he's not done yet. He's not, you know, I think he's got years left, and I think Connor, he might be in his prime. Could be a really good fight. I think the styles kind of match up in an interesting way. Donald's uh, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's, he's a really accomplished Muay Thai fighter, so his kickboxing is really really the basis of his of his MMA. And uh, he's just a gritty fighter, and I think Connor's a really technical fighter who hasn't taken a lot of damage, so... I think if they want to have a war, they could have a they could have a war, and it could be pretty uh, pretty entertaining and pretty uh, pretty great for the sport. What about you, Nate? You know, one thing about this fight, whenever I talk to anyone in the past week about it, a lot of people are excited about it. I mean, it just shows you just how big both of these names are. Because if there's ever if I ever mention anything UFC wise. Everyone knows McGregor and everyone knows Cowboy Cerrone. And so just on that merit alone, it's a, you know, if you're a fan in any way, you got to watch it. But um, the big thing is it, uh, this can honestly go 50, 50. Like it, it's literally a twin cost toss at this point, because, you know, everyone's saying if the first half, if Connor, you know, is able to land that left hand of his, he's going to be able to take Cerrone out. 
But if it says it gets in the later rounds, it's going to be Cerrone because, you know, just Connor has a tendency to tire out towards the end, even though he likes to argue against that. But um, I think Cerrone always does a good job in surprising people. That's like, you know, that was a big thing with like Alexander Hernandez. Like Cerrone was getting pieced up that whole fight, you know, like in the first round, Alex was doing really well, but then towards it just flipped at one point and then Cerrone just completely destroyed him, you know, and then, you know, he did really well against La Quinta, which I mean, even then, like even Khabib wasn't able to put him out, but you know, I know uh Cowboys come, coming off a two fight loss against uh, Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje, but those are top tier fighters, you know, and I think Cowboy sometimes it depends on what Cowboy shows up, you know, and Connor, he's, it's kind of weird. Like I've, I've been watching his, you know, build up to this and it's a complete different version of Connor. You know, he's really respectful, really, you know, even when they were talking about the whole mystic Mac thing at the press conference, he was kind of like iffy about really going in at Donald. And, you know, I even during that press conference, they asked Donald, like, you know, when it's more respectful and like hugging, you know, like kind of like a friend ish type of tone to with when he has like with another fighter, like he tends to actually win or do better. So it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, he was saying it's bullshit, you know, in response, but you know, I don't know. It's one of those ones where it's, it's going to be a crazy fight and it's, I really can't really pinpoint it too much. What about you, Jamie? I feel like you're riding the fence. I'm going Connor all day. You're talking about how friendly they are during the press conference. And I think that's a, a tactic because McGregor's smart. He's done his research on every person he's ever fought. And I, I think the, the fact that he's being so nice is he's seen in the past when Donald is friendly with his opponents before the fights, he, he has trouble getting up and, uh, beating those opponents. He's too friendly. He's not in the right mindset to go for the kill. And I think Connor's seen that in the past. And I think he's using that to his advantage. That's why we're not seeing the trash talking, arrogant McGregor. People want to think, oh, okay, he got humbled because he you know, had those um, legal troubles. He got beat by Khabib. Probably that that's part of it. But I think a big thing is that he's using those mind games against Cowboy and Cowboy doesn't even realize it. Damn, I, I did not even think of it from that perspective. Yeah. I just I, thought, like, maybe maybe the two, he's, he's on, you know, he has the loss to Khabib. He has the loss to, even outside of MMA, to, to Floyd Mayweather. He really can't say anything. Neither neither can Cerrone. They're both kind of in a similar position. But I, mm-hmm. but you're right. Like, I think Tony, he was, Cowboy was really friendly with Tony. And I think like it showed in the fight a little bit other than the first round. Uh, but it showed like he just maybe didn't have the, like, like a killer instinct just to, mm-hmm. to put them away. I, I don't know. Maybe he won't have it against Connor either. Yeah. I, I, I don't think so. Cause um, he has these like weird mental blocks. Like, you know, he's um, uh, known for not being able to, uh, uh, like make it in those uh, big fights, which is, you know, the one tomorrow night. And yeah, he he's uh, lost in those fights where he's too friendly with his opponents. And I, I, I honestly think McGregor is like that smart where he's just going to use that against him. So that's why I think we're partly seeing like, you know, this side of them. 
but couldn't you present it like Connor trying to save face because he still has like those pending lawsuits, like with the sexual harassment, maybe he's just trying to show that he's not like, you know, a bad guy. That could be a perspective as well. Cause well, he's trying not to be like, you know, outlandish, you know, kind of piss, you know, pissing on Cerrone because that could be something they could use against him. Well, I, I know he settled in the case that he smashed the guy's phone where he punched the old guy in the bar and he took the DNA test to prove that that baby wasn't his. And I know there's like one or two like, uh, like sexual assault allegations, but with the team of lawyers behind him with the UC behind him, I don't think they would have cleared him if there was any doubt that he could have done it. Yeah, I think, I think that, uh, like they stripped John Jones when he hit the, uh, the woman in the car, but I think they don't need Connor anymore. So I think it's like, I think his absence kind of showed that he did help elevate the, the organization and the sport, Mm -hmm. but they've had huge stars emerge like Israel Adesanya, Jorge Masvidal, like just explode. And, and even Khabib is a giant star now. They like they don't really need up oh, Valentina Shevchenko, Amanda Nunez. Like they don't need Connor on his own anymore. This it's not twenty uh, fifteen. So maybe I think I think maybe you're right. Like if they if they if they would probably they they don't need to keep him clean. Like if if he was you know if they needed to, they maybe even get rid of him if they had to. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, another thing I found interesting, um, he did that, uh, Conor McGregor did that interview with Ariel Hawani and Ariel asked him about how much he's making in this fight. And he said, after it's all said and done, he's going to walk away with this fight, uh, making $80 million. And that number to me for a UFC fighter is just so insane. And Ariel asked him, like, oh, what'd you make on the Khabib fight? And he said that he walked away uh, from that fight with 50 million. And I'm just like thinking, I'm like, how is he the only fighter in the UFC that's making those kind of numbers? I kind of feel like it plays into because I saw like he was making guaranteed 3 million, but it really comes down to pay per view buys and just the contract he had written out for him, you know? And I'm, he has all the sponsorships too. So I wonder if it, you know, if that includes all of his like t-shirt sales and all that, you know, that could be like the big factor in it. Yeah. He must, he must have a pretty significant, uh, pay-per-view percentage, like more than any other fighter has. It's, it's gotta be pretty, pretty large compared to, to anyone else. That's a lot. That's a lot of money to pull in. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, Paul Cerrone was only going to get four hundred if he wins, like yeah. four hundred thousand. Yeah, but he, he in gets... the press conference, uh, McGregor was saying he's going to make a multi-million dollar, you know, fight. You know, because I think he got pay-per-view, you know, royalties with that as well. 
Yeah, the the three million that you're referencing, and then the two hundred thousand and the two hundred thousand win bonus. That's like what's like disclosed by the UFC. Obviously, they never really reveal the the full payout. So I'm I'm sure Cerrone's gonna be. I mean, he's gonna clear a, a million dollars easy from this. So, who do you think, Brandon? Who do you think's gonna win? I don't know. I kind of think Cerrone might take it. Oh, okay. I, I think, I think he's, he's a, I think he's a little. I, part of me was thinking that he's on. Uh, he, he's he's been through a lot. He's had a long career, but I think for him, it, you know, this is, this is really important to him, and I think that he will rise to the maybe rise to this occasion. I think he might. Uh, hopefully he, he, he kickboxes Connor, keeps him at distance, which is really hard to do with somebody who closes distance with weird things like, like faints and, and, and kind of, uh, like these, these jabs and, and, and like hand fighting to kind of close his distance to, to land really devastating shot. So if he keeps his distance, use, uses he's billed at six one. I don't think he is. I have a, I also have a theory about, uh, height in UFC that they don't measure fighters and they just ask them what they, how tall they are. And fighters just say how tall they think they are because Cerrone has been listed at multiple different heights, five eleven, six feet and six one. Currently, what is, what is his height? I don't know, probably about six feet. Connor's five nine. He might even be a little shorter than that. Um, I think Cerrone keeps him away with uh, kicks. Uh, avoids maybe avoids the left hand, and maybe if he really wants, does takes him to the ground and and puts the black belt to use. That's that's how I feel. I don't know. How, how about you guys? I think Connor needs a keep an eye on those um, head kicks because uh, Tony definitely likes to throw like a combination and follow up with a head kick after he's knocked out plenty of people that way. And I, I can totally see that happening to Connor just because Connor, you know, has to close the, the distance. He, he can't really fight at the same distance as Cerrone because he doesn't really utilize um, leg kicks the way Cerrone does like Connor will definitely use them to uh, close the distance, but he's not really throwing them with like the intent to knock you out. Yeah. He didn't, he say when he, I think he said when he fought Nate the second time that like he threw a couple like kicks in the fight fight. And he said, he thinks he threw like only a handful in his entire career. And most of them were in the Nate fight the second Nate fight. I think that Cerrone is, you know, his extensive more, like his legs are so conditioned. If he just starts throwing kicks at Connor's legs, I'm sure Connor's legs are conditioned too, but nowhere near as Cerrone's. I think maybe he slows him down a bit. And that, that's what, that's maybe Connor's biggest, one of his biggest uh, tools in the toolbox is his speed compared to Cerrone, who is a little bit, I, I think a little slower of a fighter especially getting kind of in his later mid career. Yeah. It's going to be pretty interesting. Go ahead, Nate. Yeah. 
I was saying, uh, I really think it kind of comes down to how Cerrone comes out in the first round. I think if he's really stiff and really, you know, he's usually a slow starter. Like he usually, once he gets a slow going, that's when Cerrone's the worst. Like that's when he can pretty much win in most fights. But when you can kind of maybe throw off his um, rhythm, which I feel like someone like McGregor can, because I mean, he looks like McGregor really focused on his boxing. And I know Cerrone at the conference was saying that he doesn't plan on taking him down. Like he plans on, you know, giving the fans what they want, but I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing. And I don't know. And it, I think I saw somewhere it's like whoever throws, like, I think it was Chelsea Sunday saying like whoever throws the first, um, or whoever does the first takedowns of the uh, pussy, because it pretty much shows like you, you know, you feel like you can't win the standup. And so I don't know if either of them are going to take each other down. I know McGregor wouldn't, I, I know he, you know, trains with Dennis and whatever, but it's, you know, his, everything that makes Connor who he is as a fighter is stand up. And I, I kind of feel like Connor's going to KO him in the first or second round. That's like, I could see Cerrone winning, but I think McGregor is going to take advantage of his slow startup and knock out Cerrone. All right. Well, let's move to the co-main event. We have a rematch between Holly Holm and Raquel Pennington. They met, Early in their UFC career, Holly Holm got the victory in the first outing. How do you guys think this rematch is going to play out? I think Holly Holm. I think. I think she. I think she takes it. Uh, incredible kickboxer. I think, and her, and just her boxing alone is is great. Had a little had been having a little trouble after the big Ronda win, but I think I think it's her night. I think she'll she'll take it. It's sad because like Holly Holmes very good. Like probably one of the best like in the UFC. But she just doesn't engage when she needs to. Like she's so hesitant and I don't know like what has like what has caused that for her. Because I mean she's been fighting for almost her, really, pretty much her entire life. So I don't know what's really kind of changed for that. Um, Raquel, you know, has some pretty notable wins too, but um, I, I really do see Holly Holm going to have that confidence because usually when you've won against someone before, you kind of have an idea and you kind of have, you know, knowledge of what that person fights like. And I feel like Holly Holm, if she's comfortable and kind of knows her opponent, I think she's going to come out on top as well. Okay. I'm in the same boat as well. I love Holly Holm. I think she got robbed in that Durandamy uh, fight. And she did have a rough outing against uh, Cyborg and Nunez, but those are like two of the best females ever. So I, I don't really fault her for that. I, I think she's one of the, the best female fighters ever. And I, I think she'll come out on top against Raquel. Yeah, she... I think she, I think she's got just some more skills. I think she's fought some higher level call. Like they fought very similar. I'm, I think they've both in the same kind of. Uh, I know they both fought Jermaine. I think they've both fought Amanda. Maybe some some other people. Like they fought very similar opponents. Like they've had kind of a been in the same circle. I think. Holly does a 
a little bit better against some of those did a little better against some of those people. I think she'll just, maybe it'll just be a split decision. Maybe they, maybe it doesn't, uh, it's not a clear cut win, but I think Holly just edges her out. Okay. Well, that's it for the co-main event. I have a really interesting fight. Anthony Pettis going back down to lightweight. He's fighting Carlos Fajaya, who's on a five fight win streak. I think that fight is going to be awesome. If Anthony Pettis can come out, not cut his thumb like in his last fight, I, I think um, he has what it takes to be this. Um, like he's like a newer prospect. Uh, he's only uh, lost to Benil Dariush and Dustin Poirier, but he's beaten some top lightweights, and I'm actually really excited for this fight. Hey, even beat a welterweight. He even beat like Wonder Boy. Oh, I, I was speaking about uh, Carlos. I'm sorry, not not Anthony. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, the interesting is Carlos is actually the favorite in this fight. They, most people think he's going to blow through Pettis. Well, Pettis... I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know who he was before the fight got announced. And I watched the sport. I had no idea who he was. I had to, I had to look him up. <laughs> Were you impressed? Yeah, this is pretty much his... You know, they always say like the changing of the guard. Like that's pretty much what yep. the fight is. And that's if he can get past Pettis. And I, I've i been a huge fan of Pettis since, you know, the WC days. I was really bummed that he got robbed of his title shot back in the day against Frankie Edgar or Gray Maynard, whoever won that fight, but it was a draw. Um, but he's definitely had a rough go in the UFC. He Like after losing his belt, um, and even, you know, bouncing up in weight and coming back down, it's just, uh, or excuse me, bouncing down to 145 and coming back up. has just been a rough go. You know, he's on this, uh, you know, win loss, win loss. And I, I hope he can not get two losses in a row and come back and get this W because I'm just like a huge fan and super biased. He, he's got, he's, He's had a bit of yeah. He's had a bit of trouble in the last couple of years. He's really been trading wins and losses. The Nate fight was, um, I think maybe he's just a, a little too small for 170. Even though you know, I think I think for him, you know, if he weighs 180 and he feels like oh, it's easy to cut 10 pounds and fight at 170, but you're fighting. Uh, 190, 200 pound people fighting at 155 looks to be probably more natural. Uh, you know, that's probably a more natural weight for him where he's fighting people similar to his size. He, he, like, you know, he knocked out uh, Wonder Boy, who's not really a huge 170, but he was getting, uh, he's getting picked apart pretty bad before the, the KO. But I, I'd like to see him win. I think he's got the, I think he's got the skills to do it. He's he's well rounded. He's got you know, uh, really really creative striking, and he's got really good jujitsu. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what this maybe this uh, this attempt maybe this UFC's attempt to to make make a name of somebody else. We'll see how it goes. I have no idea. I'd like to see Pettis win as well, but just because I'm a fan. But we will see what happens. All right. 
Who do you think, Nate? Yeah, I mean, Pettis is so, like, he's very talented, very skillful, you know, in just pretty much every aspect of MMA. I mean, he's able to, you know, submit people. You know, not, you know, not just anyone, like Michael Chiesa he submitted, you know. Um, he's had, like, very good success versus, you know, being able to go full five rounds, three rounds, and really, you know, it's just kind of things like when it's like high profile or like really high level fighters in terms of like, in terms of ranking, you know, he's lost to Ferguson. Uh, he's lost to diamond, but this, I don't know if maybe he like that fire of not wanting to be stepped over, you know what I mean? Like being a stepping stone for someone. I feel like that enough would probably push him to maybe give it his all. Cause I know that was a big thing is like, he was maybe, trying not to be as reckless as he used to be, but, you know, he's kind of tried to switch that a little bit, which he's had success with that and then kind of fallen back on it a little bit. But I think he's definitely going to push to, you know, like in this fight to win and really give it his all because I, I think he knows this is kind of his opportunity, like maybe his last opportunity, if he wanted to make it up to the title again, like this is his only chance you know like if he loses this he's pretty much not going to be able to make it back up the rankings anytime soon unless he gets some really notable wins so i think that fire alone is gonna push him especially if people doubt you you know he's had a great career of showing people you know proving them wrong because i mean even like with henderson when he came in you know everyone really didn't think henderson was gonna lose and then he just beat him just like that so I'd say Pettis for sure. Okay, so we're all on the same page and, for that one. Uh, go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, and, and like, I don't like to explain people's losses away, but I think you know he didn't get knocked out by Tony. He didn't. It, he it was was it the those uh, doctor stoppage they threw in the towel. Was it a doctor or did they? It, it, I yeah, think yeah, his corner gave him threw it threw him the towel. Are you I sure? Yeah, I couldn't remember if he had a cut or or i i knew it wasn't like a like he didn't it was um it was before the the fifth round i think yeah it, uh, between uh, round the second yeah but between the second but, going to the third yeah the uh corner stopped it but uh he he had hurt tony in that fight did he dropped he, him which yeah. really close really close to prop maybe finishing tony if you maybe caught him if Tony didn't do all those weird roles and, and escape, you know, the, the, the reach of, uh, of Anthony Pettis. So he, he may have stopped Tony, uh, Nate Diaz, the, the cut situation, like those things that might've affected him. He wasn't, it wasn't like a complete mismatch. Nate, I think Nate showed up that night too. Mm -hmm. That was Nate looked incredible that night. I think it was just yeah. maybe he would have done better. Maybe he would have won that fight also. So I, I would like to say for me, I can kind of uh, in his last couple fights, put an asterisk with the two of the, the losses, because I think he maybe could have won both of them. If it wasn't for some, some of those circumstances, he was really close to beating Tony. So he's not, he's still there. He's still fighting the best. 
and doing well against them. And I hope he does well tomorrow. Or well, yeah, tomorrow. It's almost it's almost uh, tomorrow where I am. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's totally fair. I, I agree with everything that you said. Um, we have an interesting flyweight fight on the prelims. I, I wanted to talk about that because um, I, I know for a while the flyweight division was in limbo. Then Henry Cejudo came in and saved the division, which I thought was awesome. I'm a huge fan of Henry Cejudo, but we have uh, Tim Elliott, who's um, he should be ranked uh, in like the top five and he's fighting um, somebody who I've never heard of. And this guy's name is uh, Askar Askar of <laughs> Uh, some Russian guy. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell you what I like about the. I've never heard of Askar. Yeah, I know he's a ten and zero, which is uh, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with that. He's done pretty well. Um, but I couldn't say <laughs> like between the two. I mean, Tim Elliott had like success, but he's also done you know, not too well. And I feel like this might be like the same thing. Like they want to use Tim Elliott's name as a stepping stone for this undefeated fighter. I'm just happy that they didn't get rid of the division because I enjoyed it. A lot of people, which I was surprised about, like, you know, weren't fans of Mighty Mouse. Uh, They said, you know, he was too small. He wasn't that that entertaining, which always blew my mind just because he was always winning in spectacular fashion you know doing things to people that have never been done before always going for the finish um, perfect technique uh, I, I just never understood why people didn't like him it's it's a, it's a very athletic division i don't know yeah why would they would ever uh want to dissolve that division it's it's a it's maybe one of the better divisions to watch i think just because people want to watch the 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 he- the heavier weights for whatever reason. The 125, the flyweight is is an, is a great division. It's always had good talent. It's maybe not the the deepest division. You, you might not know every fighter, but the fights are always great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they always come with like punches and bunches. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're always throwing, always moving. It's probably like you yeah, know, there's always activity. Super technical division too. Like no one's really like a wild like, like like it's it. Very rarely do you see like a loss of technique and just throwing caught. Like it's it it's a really everyone is well rounded and it it it's hard to not see a great a great comp like you know great great bouts in that division. It, it's it's it it should be. It should be more popular, but I don't know. I don't know why it's not. Yeah, me either. But I'm just happy that it's making it onto this card. And the the other fight that I was excited for, it was um, a guy coming off of, uh, well, he he was from Dana White's contender series, uh, Super Sadiq Yusuf. He's fighting Andre Feely at featherweight. And I, I think that Sadiq guy is like really talented. He's uh he's yep. ten, 10 and 1 right now. Great fighter. He'll, he'll he'll take it. I I think he he's impressive. I I hope he wins too. 
Yeah, same here. I, I feel bad because all those like um, uh, Team Alpha Male guys, they're kind of on a down down skid right now. You know, they were having like trouble finding a head coach for a long time. And then Justin Buckles was just, you know, the head coach for a while. And then he left. And I'm not even sure who's the head coach over there right now. And I feel like that's always been their biggest problem, not having like that super solid coach there to to guide them. Like there was a, a period in time where they're trying out um, Martin Campman. And I thought that would have been an awesome head coach for that, that entire gym. They need it. They need a, like a, like a kickboxing, like a, like a, it feels like they need a, a real striking coach there. Mm-hmm. But, um, Uriah Faber could probably be the, the coach, but he's fighting again. So, he, you know, he can't, and he, even though he's a mixed martial arts fighter, he's, his background is wrestling. I think someone like Dwayne Ludwig, someone, you know, looking at camps like having Henry Hooft or, or these other really accomplished kickboxers, I feel like Uriah can handle the grappling aspect and help people with that. And they have a stable of people who are really familiar with the come from a grappling world and a wrestling world where they need the strike. They need a striker to really round out their camp, their their gym. Yeah, I, I couldn't I agree more. Like. I really think like these gyms are kind of like these big gyms are kind of falling apart though. Cause I mean, I feel like even Winkle John's like that, even though they have really great coaches and they have really great fighters, there's a lot of people where you saw like with the whole ordeal with Cerrone, how they picked Mike Perry over, you know, the person with more tenure there where it's starting to get to the point where people are looking like, you know, like Cerrone made his own BMF, you know, ranch where he's brings in training partners and there's people like trying to, in a more smaller, you know, scenario where they can get specific training directly to them rather than, you know, in a group setting. And I think you're starting to see that shift. So I feel like that's a big thing of American top team. Cause you're starting to see some of those people kind of spread out and go to different places to get, you know, specialized training specifically for themselves as well. Like who, who left? <laughs> Well, that one girl left. What was their, the, she was uh, their, one of their protégés that was coming up and she lost that one. She left because she said she wasn't getting too much focus on it. Let me see if I can look. I, I feel like, name. I feel like super camps, um, for for mixed martial arts in particular, I, I think they're necessary just to, the fact that you're training so many different skill sets and you need different looks because when, when you're doing, um, you know, like a single sport, like, like boxing, like I, I can totally understand why they would, you know, like Floyd Mayweather, he has a training camp and it's all focused on just him. He can, uh, you know, just do it all alone with his small team and that's fine. But I feel like with mixed martial arts, just like the, the, all the different, um, ways to win a fight and all the different styles. I, I think it's really important to have these bigger gyms just to get all the different looks and have all your coaches. And as nice as I think it would be to have it like solely focused on you and you can feel like you're getting the proper attention. I, I, I don't think that's the right move in mixed, mixed martial arts. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo, she left and uh, with the, uh, 
she left with the Justin. Oh like yeah. When he, he went, that's, that's not American top team. Oh, sorry. I was yeah. thinking, um, you're talking, uh, yeah. Um, uh, team alpha male. Well, even American top team, then they have the, it was like the split with the black zillions, right? Uh, no, Initially. no, that that was uh, Rashad going to um, it was like R- R- Rashad and just like people from uh, Florida. They Wait weren't John. Yeah, I don't think they were uh, ATT uh, affiliated when they started the Black Zillions. I think they're just rivals because they're in the same like city. Yeah, and then they I had know. like coaches from there too. Like they pulled from American Top Team. I don't think so. The co-founder. Oh, you talking about uh, what's his name, Glenn Robinson? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he was the 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 co. Wait, he's he's he was the owner of the Black Zillions. I I I don't think he co-founded ATT. Was he from American Team initially? I don't think so. Hmm. I know that Rashad Evans left. Winkle, uh, Winkle John, kind of a similar situation, like like Perry and um, Cowboy. They chose John Jones, so he left, and he joined Black Zillions. I don't know much about all the a lot of the gyms, but I know the owner of the Black Zillions was like a fa- he's like a fan, a patron of the of the sport. So he started the team and was like paying the athletes, so they wouldn't have to worry about. Some of them, you know, working a job between fights, some of the lower level fighters, they could just be paid to train. They brought Alistair over him, all these people in. And, uh, but he wasn't like a, he's not a martial artist or anything. He's just, uh, just a fan. So he would, he hired coaches to, to do this team. It was a, it was a fabricated team. It wasn't like a natural team. Like I know ATT, uh, Dan Lambert's like a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. That's all. That's my uh, gym knowledge. Yeah, you're definitely correct. He, he was just um, making sure the guys could train without having to work. And he was just like basically got that gym together because he was able to offer fighters like good money. Yeah, I've heard I've heard the Overeem stuff where he would show up like after not train with anybody and train on his own, he would even have like heard his own, like I've read or something had his own people with him that would train with him, but not with anyone else. His old dreams of even, you know, 10 years ago is a huge star internationally in the sport and has the, the means to do things like this. And then this gym wants to pay him on top of that. So it just, perpetuates this this uh his ability to do this to have his own private training he, he privately training himself while being on a team so i don't know yeah maybe the teams aren't necessary or the big gyms aren't necessary maybe they are some maybe some fighters it works for some it doesn't it's hard to say george, george has always seemed to thrive at tristar which maybe didn't start off start off as the biggest gym but now is a pretty big gym yeah. pumps out a lot of fighters just like any other other gym i want to meet for us one day i think that'd be awesome 
yeah, I, I, if, if, if I could, if I could have one, make one suggestion to any, anyone who's fighting professionally, it's go to TriStar and have Frost the hobby as your head coach, because he like Kevin Lee Dude. looked great. The beast. Gregor Gillespie. Yeah. Chain, I've never seen him fight like that ever. Did you guys see who he got uh, matched up with recently? No, no, I didn't know. He's yeah, fighting uh, Charles Oliveira. Yeah, okay, that's made that one Russian guy all mad. It's all good. Because, this fight's uh, gonna be crazy. Yeah, Charles Oliveira's definitely come around, dude, quite a lot because he was like doing pretty it. bad, and then he's like, yeah. Crazy. He, he does, he's not cutting crazy weight anymore. He just went up to lightweight and was like, "All right, like let's see how it goes." I think that's always like the biggest issue is just people cutting too much weight. I know. And, you know, not really <laughs> like letting their body thrive because they're losing their power. That's what happened to Pettis when he dropped down to the forty-five. It was just you know he was just dehydrated and just it had no power. They, I really wish they would do what one championship's doing and do hydration tests and do it that way to make it safer and to try to, you know, I, I think that's a better way to try to prevent people from cutting crazy amounts of weight. Yeah, I, I've heard, uh, I, I know someone in the boxing community, uh, he told me, he, he actually said that he for some fight would lose up to 30 pounds like drop 30 pounds i don't know if he he didn't really go into it but i don't know if that was with dieting or just strictly uh like a weight cut like a water cut but that's a lot of your body weight to to come down and then put back on the next day or later that day depending on uh what you know if it's a smaller promotion and how the weigh-ins go, but that's a lot of, you know, that is not healthy to do. They, they should implement the, uh, a safer weight cutting system. Yeah. Cause it's not, it's not good to cut that much weight, try to put it all back on and then go out and get punched in the head. It's, it's not safe. Yeah, I feel like some of it comes down to not having enough weight classes too. You know how everyone's always trying to fight for the 165 in the UFC and then put it up to 175. I feel like because like Connor would, you know, do very well in the 165 division, and yeah. a lot of people would like George Masvidal and then would do better at 75 than 70. You know. Well, it, I, it does feel like they're missing that one weight class. Just to, it would make sense. 25 35 45 55 65 and so on yeah like they in california the california state athletic commission they approve those weight classes it's just the ufc is not using them i i think their issue is they don't want to have to rewrite their entire history because if you look back if they do change those weight classes 170 that like, you know, that title's going to end there. They're going to have to create a new weight class. And I, I think that's their biggest reason is that they don't want to have to rewrite history and create more champions, which 
sounds so stupid to me because they're handing out, you know, well, last year they're handing out interim titles left and right. And I feel like if they had the more weight classes, the more champions, they wouldn't have to do that because it'd be easier for the champions to fluctuate. And the fact that they had more champions, they could create more championship fights. It, it seems like it's the right thing to do, but I just don't understand why they're not doing it. Yeah, I'm glad they stepped to- away. Well, sorry. I'm kind of oh, glad they stepped away from doing just the title fights as main events because that was one thing they were trying to do, like where they were just they didn't want to do a pay per view unless it was a title fight for like a little bit. That was like kind of like the strife. Like that's why they even like canceled some of the paper, you know, like the John Jones one because they just didn't want you know something that's not a title fight to be. And it's just like it's crazy because they have the name power to not have to do that. So, you know, and that's, I'm glad they're starting. They even lowered the price of the pay-per-view again, which is good. But, uh, sorry, Brendan, you can continue. Brandon, you still there? Nate, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, maybe Brandon had to go back to work. I'm not sure. Maybe is he still know. is he still on your line or no? Uh, no, I think he's off the line actually. Okay, no, he 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 just texted me. He had to um go back. Um, but it's all good. Oh, okay. Uh, we appreciate Brandon from the Falls coming on the uh the f- <laughs> MMA podcast. It's our uh our first guest, so th- that was really fun. And shout out Brandon, shout out Wildside. Go check them out if you haven't. Um, awesome band. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess it's just me and you now, Nate. Yeah, I can't believe that Claudia fight got canceled. I suck, dude. How is Alexa Grasso over five pounds? That's so insane. I don't know. Just doesn't. I. It's like weight cutting. It's like kind of goes back to what we were talking about. You know, it's just people are like cutting so much weight to make certain divisions when it's just like she, you know, she should have just went to. If she can't make the weight, she just shouldn't fight at that division. You know. Yeah, and now y- you like look at the ramifications, right? She 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 misses weight. And Nevada has that rule where if you're over three pounds, they have to call off the fight. Like she was willing to give up her 30%, which is more than the normal amount um, to keep the fight on. And Claudia was down to take the 30% and still fight her, even though she was five pounds over. But they had to call it off because it was against uh the rules in Nevada, which sucks because now they're down one fight. Claudia has to, you know, go back and wait for her next assignment. She just wasted like the last eight, eight weeks training for nothing. Same thing with uh, Alexa. Like, I don't understand like how she missed weight or when she realized she was going to miss weight. She didn't like, maybe she didn't like fill them in on time. Uh, I, I just don't understand. It's like, how, how is it so bad that you're missing weight when like the UFC, they are offering you the services of the PI, the fights in Vegas. Yeah. You get in. I was thinking that too. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you, you like, get you in early. It's <laughs> yeah. like, there's no excuses. Yeah. Like there's so many like options to not miss weight. And I, I, I get that, um, you know, people 
do try to do drastic weight cuts, but it's like, no, it's literally 2020. Like there's way better science now. Like you shouldn't be missing weight by that much. You're just like at that point, you're just professional level. Yeah. If you're missing weight by that much, you're literally like just fighting in the wrong weight class. It's like, go, go up. Yeah. And I mean, her last fight, she kind of looked drained in that one as well. So, I mean, maybe it just is an ongoing struggle for her, or maybe she just didn't go, you know, come about it the right way. But it kind of seems that, I mean, it's not going to get any better. And I don't know if they'll even let her do it because, I mean, whenever people have missed weight before, they've kind of forced them to move up or, you know, have to prove that they could make the weight because how are you going to depend on her, especially for that big of a, you know, miss? Yeah. And it's on a pay-per-view on the main card. So it's just like, which isn't even the strongest card. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a good card, but it's not, you know, they're really relying on McGregor and Cerrone to really push this card. You know, dude, they're not relying. They they didn't even have to try the, they sold it out so fast. (laughs) It's a red panty night, Nate. Come on. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like it, they could have just had them too, and they would have been, it would have done fine. <laughs> like that could have been the only fight. Yeah. So like cool. So. And I feel like that was a very crucial fight too. That Claudia versus Alexa. Yeah. Whatever. They're both kind of trying to find their place in the the division, but I'm more interested in that uh, Rose Andrade um, rematch. I think that's going to be insane. Yeah. What about Macy Barber? She's on this card. She, dude, Macy Barber is so pretty. I'm going to say that first, but this is like a mismatch, oh, even though Roxanne Modafferi has experience. She trains at a great gym. She's just, I feel like she's just like too old and just like, she's just really awkward out there. Like when I watch her fight, I'm just like, how is she still in there? Like, I, I feel like UFC is just putting her in there to, to like get ben beat. <laughs> uh, like in stand up. I don't, I, I wouldn't say that bad. Ben Askren literally lost just two fights in his entire career was a champion. Well, he's good for takedowns. <laughs> like he's really good at, I mean like Roxanne is really good jujitsu. I'm like, that's for sure. But like uh, I wouldn't say that. She, she, I think she is like decent judo. I don't, I don't think she's like a black belt in jujitsu. Maybe she is. I don't know. She's not that good. Macy Barber is going to beat her up. Just, just remember this. Yeah, she's she's gonna beat her up. Gonna... She's gonna beat her up. Roxanne Modafferi doesn't have the speed. She's not. She just doesn't have it anymore. I, I'm surprised that she's still in the UFC. If I'm being honest, it's probably because she's actually willing to fight all the time. You know? Yeah, they're like, "Hey, you're our can. We're gonna get people to beat you up." But yeah, I mean. At least she's still going at it. There's a lot of people. I mean, 23 and 16, I mean, that's a lot of fights, a lot of losses. It's a salty-ass yeah, record. Her her record is almost as salty as Raquel Pennington's. Ra- Raquel's 10 and 7. Give it up. <laughs> hey, Raquel has a win over Roxanne as well. Yeah, because Roxanne, she's... <laughs> she, uh, I'm not even going to say anything bad about her. 
Macy Barber, I wish she would have got the Paige Van Zandt fight. That would have been an amazing fight on this card, but it didn't happen. I'm rooting for Macy, and I hope she eventually does get that Paige fight. She's been calling for it for a long time, and um, I'm just not sure why she hasn't gotten that matchup. But I think she deserves it. Paige is trying to, you know, get a guaranteed win on her last, you know, bout in her UFC contract so she can negotiate for a bigger payday. That's why she didn't want to take Macy because it's more of an opportunity. It's like it's more likely she would lose to Macy in compared to, you know, the opponent she did get. Dude, she should have fought Roxanne if she wants that that W. <laughs> well, I think it'd be hard for her to like face her, you know, even like to say accept that. Like they'd be yeah. like, what? Yeah, that that one's like a little too obvious, but um. Kind of want to get off the topic of this card. Um, earlier today, they officially announced um, Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero for March seventh. Holy shit! That fight is going to be so insane. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Romero, he's old, but he's a scary dude. Like he's still like bring like can bring it, and I feel like his wrestling is really can can really test Israel. Like that'll show if Israel is really good at takedowns. Because if What are you talking about? He, he stopped can, uh, Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson's like has a chin of glass though. I don't. <laughs> you wanna see him freaking on the giraffe? You see the baby giraffe? You want me to send you that gif? That's freaking Derek Brunson, half his fight. Derek Brunson, okay. I wouldn't say he has a glass shot, but he is really good wrestling and Izzy was well prepared. He couldn't take him down. And Yorel Romero, he barely uses his wrestling. I, I think we're gonna see more of a stand up fight. And I'm hoping it goes in favor of um Israel because I'm a huge fan of Izzy. Don't like Yoel Romero. I, I think he's a cheater and I, I'm happy, and I rarely say this about fighters because I know how hard they work, but I was happy that he lost in his last fight because he is definitely a cheater and just needs to um, get beat up already. Holocausta. I, w- I wish he didn't have to get his surgery. That would have been, like, because, I mean, technically he won against Romero, you know? Yeah. So it should have been his fight for the title, but since he had to do that surgery, he's pretty much got passed over to the person he beat, which is kind of, I think always like maybe the worst feeling to see, especially on the sidelines. But I know Costa is going to get the fight regardless of whether it's next or not. And I'm sure even if let's say Israel loses, like he has a chance to fight Romero because he beat Romero. You know what I mean? And it was a close fight. You know, I didn't even put that together that UL got the title shot, even though he lost um, against Paula Costa. Wow. It's been so long, but yeah, that is such a weird situation, but you know, props to Izzy because he's, he's calling his shots. He, he wants to fight the, you know, toughest people in the, the division. And I think that's a great way and a great model champion because I, I hate when people win the belt and they're like, all right, I'm going to take time off. It's just like, why you just won the belt. Like, don't you want to try to prove that you're actually the best instead of just sitting around until you ultimately just lose your belt? Yeah. I, it's 
kind of, I mean, that's kind of, I feel like what Woodley did. Like he kind of like sat on it for a bit too. What are you talking about? It's just like, don't, there's going to be no Tyron Woodley slander. Oh my God. He's too busy making rap albums. Yeah. That's like my boy, George Masvidal said. And he's uh, a A-list Hollywood actor. Uh, probably be, but yeah. He was in. Are you? Did you see him? His starring role in Straight Outta Compton. No, I don't. Well, you got to go back and watch. Okay, no, look it. So he he beat Lawler for the title, knocked him out. Right, that was in July of 2016, and then he fought. He defended his belt against Stephen Thompson that November to a, a draw, which that was a, a weird fight. That That's fair. And then like six months later, he fought Stephen again, beat him. And then six months after that, beat Damian Maya. And then six months then after he that. he only had one fight in 2018, and he only had one fight in 2019. Well, he had surgery so that's fair he wasn't just sitting around he had his hand surgery and then his shoulder surgery and then uh and then they were trying to figure out who was going to take the fight because remember they were they were having trouble booking a fight for him because it was always up in the air against colby because he was remember he was supposed to fight colby covington or it was going to be usman and it was all contract stuff so I wouldn't blame it all on him. He's supposed to fight Leon Edwards next. Honestly, um, Leon Edwards, great fighter, but I think Woodley whoops him. Uh, yeah, I guess it kind of depends like on what Woodley shows up. Like if it's like a very determined Woodley. Yeah. But I mean, Leon Edwards is kind of proving people wrong too. Like he's not a bad fighter at all. I don't think he's that great, to be honest. He's definitely young. You know what I mean? He's only 28. So what does that have to do with anything? Growing. And he's got 21 fights already? I mean... uh, I don't understand your your angle here, Nate. No. I mean, Woodley's old. Leon Edwards is coming up. He's coming full force. He's 37. He's getting to his prime. Oh my God. Are you what kidding are you me? Yoel Romero's like 45. Yeah, but Romero's freaking juice to the gills, man. That's a difference. Dude, look at look at Woodley's record. I'm not saying Woodley has done well, but it doesn't mean at some point you start to fade. Yeah, he's had one loss in what, like his last like eight fights? Yeah, but they've mostly been decisions too. He's got that dark choke. No, he he um, TKO'd Dunyoung Kim split with Calvin in 2014. I'm going from his win streak and then he KO'd, KO'd Robbie Lawler and then he had the mm-hmm. draw with Steven Thompson and then it was two decisions back to back 
against Steven Thompson, Damian Maya. He submitted Darren Till and then lost a decision to Kamar Usman. So two decisions back to back. That's not that big of a deal. These are well, championship the fights. And then he had the decision, split decision versus Kevin Gaslam that you jumped over. Yeah, Kevin Gaslam, he was the up-and-comer who was supposed to take him out. But remember, Kevin Gaslam came in heavy. He was overweight. Yeah, and, they even got, like, Leon Edwards has an eight-win streak, too, and he has, uh, again, a submission and a TKO. I mean, you can say same thing, but no, definitely he, Woodley's he, Okay, no, he has more just decisions than Woodley. He has three decisions in his last fight. He had the one TKO against Peter uh, Sobata and then two more back-to-back decisions against Brian Barbarina and Vicente Luque. He has way more decisions than Tyron Woodley. You're crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what happens when you get to the UFC, man. You get that high level. You just need to sit down. You're trying to you're trying to slander Woodley for his decisions and your boy has way more decisions. I, I can't wait till Leon Edwards just fucking beat some and you're be like, oh, oh no. He's not. He I guess he is passing prime. Oh, look at it. He beat Dos Anjos, who's a lightweight, whatever. He beat Gunnar, Nis- Gunnar Nelson, split decision. That's fair. And then he beat Cerrone, who's a lightweight. Cerrone didn't even want, didn't even care about that fight. He's not that good. He's overrated. I'm saying it right now. Woodley all day. All right, we'll see. Yeah. That fight's incoming. Yeah, it's going to be... That's the good thing about this. They're all, all these fights are... I mean, that's if Woodley doesn't pull out either. Why would he pull out? He's healthy. He's had he's had issues. He's, he has, he's an old dude, man. He, he's not that old. You, I don't know why you keep attacking his age, but he's been trying to get a fight. Like, they were trying to match him up against Covington. They were thinking about giving him Covington, but he needs to heal from his uh, his jaw. Um, stuff from his Usman fight. I definitely see Covington winning that fight. You're when did you become a Tyron Woodley hater? Not, I just think Covington's better. I actually think Covington would be Leon Edwards too. I think Covington's that good. He's a piece of shit, but he's he's really good. He's not a piece of shit. He's just he's just a bad actor. Well, even then, even if you're pretending, it still makes you kind of shitty if you're going to use that as your platform. Well, it's either make millions or get fired. What would you do? Well, I don't know. I don't think I would give up my morals. It's an act. He's not like that off camera. Well, he's definitely burned a lot of bridges. So, I mean, (laughs) I mean, it's had an effect on him. Well, anybody who believes that that's real is a fool. I don't know. He's, I mean, like I said, he's had people where Masvidal like would let him live with him, let him use his coach and all that, and he burned him. You know. Well, yeah, they're rivals now. This is inevitable. Yeah, but they were actual friends, and he actually helped them out. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're teammates. Yeah, but things change. Doesn't make him a horrible person. 
Yeah, especially when you did it on purpose. I mean, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things. I, I don't really think. I mean, look how bitter he was because he lost because they stopped the fight. I mean, he was on the ground and his jaw broke in. Well, he said he'd rather get knocked out than the ref to stop it, which yeah, but- it's obviously the ref is in there trying to keep them safe. So I'm not mad at the ref for doing it. Yeah, and obviously it's very emotional in there. So I I understand why he would be mad. Yeah, he he was doing pretty well. I mean, it just shows you just man, they could both take a hit because they both getting. I mean, it was both back and forth. That was a good fight. Yeah, I want to see how they come back from that. I wish they would do Masvidal Usman. I feel like that's like a no-brainer right now, but Masvidal's calling for Connor. He really wants that Connor fight, which uh, that's a dumb fight. I don't Yeah, it, it it's dumb in the sense that it doesn't make sense because it doesn't progress the division, which that's what I'm always like that's what I always want to push is I I feel like we got to keep the division moving along because these fighters only have so much time. So if we keep throwing in these, um, you know, BMF titles, these random uh, red panty night matchups, it, it it's fun. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I enjoy these, like um, these matchups, but I, I, and the bigger picture, like when we're looking at it as like a legit sport, it sucks because it, literally will back up a division for a whole year just so they could have like one awesome crazy fight it's just like wouldn't it be be better if those fights happen naturally like if like they were the actual you know number one number two fighting to see who's better than these you know these fun matchups that don't make sense and you know probably won't or isn't the right time for these people uh, at this point in their careers it's i don't know I'm like, I, for me, like I would be happy without it. Like give me straight up like PFL style. Like let's see, you know, the best of the best, like, you know, fight and move forward and just continue to fight. Um, who's next in line. Like, you know, these rankings don't make sense. They're all made up and nobody really follows them. So it's just, uh, it's kind of frustrating sometimes. Yeah. I, and also I, I kind of agree with like Dana White saying that, you know, Masvidal is just too big for Connor, even though that doesn't mean everything. I really do think, I mean, these people, it's like, even with Usman, like I know like Usman is willing to take the Connor fight, but I honestly would think Usman is a work, like a scarier freaking Khabib. And he's like way bigger than Khabib. You know what I mean? And like, I think he would manhandle Connor, like no, no problem. Like instantly could take him down. No, no trouble at all. Who knows? I just want to see Connor go back to lightweight, fight the proper people. Obviously, I understand uh, this cowboy fight, you know, both technical lightweights fighting at welterweight. So I'm not mad at this matchup, but I don't want to see him fight Usman or Masvidal. I don't think he deserves those fights. I feel like he just needs to get back in line at lightweight and do his thing. Well, Dana White said he'd get the title shot if he wins against Connor. I mean, uh, against Cerrone, like if Connor beats Cerrone, that he'll get the title fight against Ferguson or Khabib. I'm totally fine with that. 
because he yeah what about gaichi what about him gaichi dana white okay and this is this is all from what dana white said dana white said that they've offered gaichi fights that he just hasn't taken them so if that's true it's his own fault that he doesn't have a high profile matchup right now when everybody else does Sometimes you have to fight random people in, in the rankings just to keep that momentum going, to keep your name relevant. And like not everybody is fighting the people they want to. Sometimes you have to take fights to get to where you want to be. And I, I, I think if what Dana White said is true about him skipping out on fights, like he can't be mad at the UFC for skipping him over for a title fight. Like, like you have to be a quote unquote company person to get what you want. Or you have to um, sell pay-per-views, one or the other. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like one of the only people Gagey hasn't fought is, um, I mean, a good fight would be uh, Diamond again, but just because he lost to him, and that would have been a good redemption fight and could have led him to that. But I don't know. Maybe he just feels like he deserves the shot against Ferguson and Khabib. I mean, I know they're saying if Connor doesn't get hurt. He wants to be on deck. And they're saying possibly doing the matchup with Gaethje, Connor and Gaethje, just in case um, Ferguson or and Khabib drops out, like either of them. But if not, then you have both those matchups on that card. I think that'd be really good. Yeah. Well, they matched up McGregor and Gaethje back in July, but then Connor broke his hand. So it didn't happen. Like, I would love to see that fight, but like, I don't. Like I wouldn't mind if they skipped over that fight and gave Connor the title shot if he wins tomorrow. Well, that's the thing. If um, even if uh, Khabib wins, it's like he wouldn't fight for a while either because he's gonna have the you know Ramadan. He's not winning. So it'd be <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying if hypothetically, you know what I mean. And There's... if Connor wanted to stay true of like active being active, he wouldn't be able to wait that's not a possibility if that if Khabib and Tony meet and they actually fight there's no way Khabib can beat Tony I don't know you never know I mean that's the thing no. about MMA that's, but I, I definitely I do think know. Ferguson would win I do know that <laughs> Tony Ferguson is the best lightweight and he just doesn't have the opportunity to show it against Khabib or McNuggets nah yeah, I mean, it's definitely kind of curious to see how that would turn out. I mean, I know definitely stand up Ferguson 100%, even ground game. Yeah, everything. Ferguson he's has he's so good. Like, I, I don't see any, like, who, who can beat him at, at that weight class. I, I honestly feel like he's right now the best. Like, if you look at the landscape of that whole entire division, yeah, there's some fun matchups but i honestly don't know who could do it i think it'd be more ferguson's own undoing because sometimes he gets a little reckless because i mean look at like when he fought um lando Fanata. yeah yeah lando like he like you know he almost got ko because i mean and that's not to say like that guy's a really good striker you know and mm-hmm. he like stood there and it just you know all it takes is one good punch like if, especially if he has that power but um, that's the only thing I can see, especially if you get someone like Gaethje in front of you and he connects, even Connor with the left hand, you know, if he can connect that 
perfect shot. Doesn't really matter how good you are, you know, any given day. I mean, even look at George St. Pierre, you know, <laughs> he got, he beats Matt Sarah like nine out of 10 every time, you know, so it was just that happened that one where he just got hit. Yeah. That was the, the craziest upset in UFC history. Yeah. Hey, he's definitely uh, doing pretty well for himself too. Yeah. He's got the podcast. He's got his, Jim, he's a great guy. Yeah, he seems pretty genuine. I think that's why it's kind of good that he actually did do that because, I mean, it's a big accomplishment. Not a lot of people can say they beat George St. Pierre. Well, Nate, I'm really happy we're able to do this. It's been a while because I I know we were trying to do one for the end of the year, but something came up and we didn't do it, but we're back. It's 2020. We got UFC 246 tomorrow, and I could not be any more excited.